Hello and welcome to Patch Notes, Radio Free South Bronx's video game industry news show. I'm your host, Adam Castor, and we have a great show for you today. It is the week before E3 week. There are going to be conferences over this weekend. There are going to be conferences going on throughout next week, and I'm going to be talking about games that are going to be there and games that I want to see there, just as like a personal thing. And also going over the new releases for this week, uh, some anti-consumer stuff that's happening, and also, as always, what am I playing this week? For the new releases, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, the game that listeners might remember from my first episode of Patch Notes two weeks ago where I talked about the DLC crap that's going on in that game. And the game does look nice, and some of that DLC uh, is going to end up being free, which is consolation, I guess. But it still exists, and the fact that they try to pull that is just ridiculous. Otherwise... The game looks great. The art style is great. The fighting mechanics are exciting. They're they're deep, actually, for a game with simplified inputs. And there are... The soundtrack is also amazing. And the soundtrack, even though... It, the caveat on that is that a lot of the songs on the soundtrack are kind of just, like, dumped from the games that are represented in this entire tag franchise, this entire game, Blaze Blue, uh, Undernight, Inbirth, uh, Persona 4 Arena, and Ruby. But there are original compositions in the game, and those sound great as well. The soundtrack overall, like most Arc System Works games actually, is great. That's kind of the thing that they're known for. They're known for their stylized anime fighters and their good soundtracks. They're very catchy soundtracks, so yeah. That's coming out on June 5th. Also coming out, they said it couldn't be done. The Shaktis, Shaq Fu, Shaquille O'Neal, former NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal, is back in the gaming sphere with the sequel to the worst fighting game ever made. But thankfully, it's not a fighting game this time around. Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn, is a side-scrolling beat-em-up. And good for them, because Shaq Fu, the fighting game, is just... Don't play that. Please don't play that. It's really, it's really bad. Look up anything. Just, just don't. Just don't play it. The mechanic, the mechanics are terrible. The, the game just doesn't look great, and it doesn't play like any fighting game you will ever see. And that's the bad, and that's a bad thing. So don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. Next up on June fifth. June 5th is a pretty busy day for uh, gaming. Vampire. See, I didn't really know how to pronounce this at first because it's, it's, uh, va- it's actually a pun. So it's vampire. But they took out the E at the end and replaced the I with a Y. So it's it's like vampire, but you know, the end is pronounced like pyre instead of whatever. <laughs> it's a fun, honestly, it's a pretty creative pun. And it kind of fits with the, the horror aesthetic of the game. You're talking about pyres and vampires and all that. And it's, the concept of it is so interesting. And when I first heard about it, I was like, man, I'm surprised that games don't really do this kind of thing. So the concept is, is that you're... A vampire. The protagonist is a vampire. Sure, that's been done. But you can eat NPCs, quest givers, and they give you experience points. And I mean, there are games like Dark Souls where you can kill like just about every NPC, shopkeeper, whatever in the game. But this is weird. This is just fascinating because you can talk to the quest givers, do quests for them, whatever, learn more about their backstory. And that makes them like their blood more, I guess, appetizing. You basically get more XP for for when you eventually eat them. And I heard this described to me in a morbid way. It's kind of like preparing dinner. It's like making your day. It's like making dinner. So very dark, very morbid, but the concept is just is really fascinating to me. And there, 
haven't been too many ga- games about with vampires as their protagonists that have actually been well, like done well. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is probably like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So a game like this where it's current gen, it looks amazing. Uh, you're in a setting like the Spanish flu era London that really takes advantage of how darkness is used. Darkness is used very well in the game. And this gameplay mechanic that you can eat NPCs for experience points. That's interesting. So I definitely think I might end up giving it a try because the concept is just so interesting to me. I want to see how it's implemented in a fully fledged game. Next up. So uh, action RPG Warhammer 40k returns with the new installment named Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr. I mean, what a name. What a name. It's a name and a half. I mean, it's like it has two different subtitles. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Warhammer 40k is not uh, is not unfamiliar with having weird titles. But anyhow, this game is definitely what one would expect from the Warhammer 40k franchise. The top-down camera, the ridiculously huge power armor, and the emphasis on melee combat and the RPG elements. So this is definitely the Warhammer game for you if you are a big fan of the Warhammer 40k franchise. And that is also coming out on June 5th. So June 7th, flashback remastered so this is a cinematic flat platformer that came out i believe in the late 90s around 1999 and it's being remastered and it's coming out on june 7th i don't remember the last time i ever really played a cinematic platformer and i didn't even think that there was really a craving for them i don't i don't see the outcry for people to say oh i want realistic damage physics in my games and being able to only jump like two feet in the air like an actual human. But for those people that are into cinematic platformers, this game is definitely going to kind of fill their fix because I there really aren't that many cinematic platformers out there recently. Honestly, the most prominent one I can think of re- is uh, Prince of Persia. And that definitely is not a cinematic platformer anymore. It's just, it's turned into a Ubisoft world game. Moving on. Next up on June 7th, The Banner Saga 2 is coming out for the Nintendo Switch. And a major Nintendo game is actually a pretty good comparison when you're talking when you want to explain the banner saga 2 to a friend i think of it as a fire as like fire emblem it's a it's a fantasy themed tactical rpg fire emblem is almost an identical comparison and for those nintendo switch owners that are waiting for a new fire emblem fire emblem game that isn't fire emblem warriors think of this as an appetizer for not only that that might be on the way but also for the banner saga 3 which is coming out in july exciting stuff for those people that own a nintendo switch and really want that tactical rpg fix on june 8th muv love it's a visual novel that's very anime inspired it actually does have its own anime and its own manga so it is is very very japanese and its storyline is incredibly extensive. Extensive in terms of sheer volume, because you have so many. You have the anime. Uh, you have so many manga, so many uh, issues of the manga, and then you have these games that have been going out for have been going strong in Japan for at least a decade. So it's coming out for PlayStation Vita in North America, and it's been out in Japan on the Vita for two years. So I mean, if you've heard it from your Japanese friends, heard about it from your Japanese friends that are into uh, visual novels, then and those Japanese friends who are into visual novels have been taunting you, saying, "Oh, I can play this cool game with a." really intense with a really extensive storyline and you can't now you can yeah this game is interesting but i'm not really a visual novel kind of guy not it's never really been my kind of thing i enjoy gameplay in my games and sure the gameplay is going through texts 
boxes and all that. But if I wanted to read a book, I'd read a book. If I wanted to play a game, I'd play a game. But that's just my thought on, on visual novels. Nothing against the people that enjoy visual novels anyway. You can enjoy whatever you want, but uh, visual novels are really not my kind of thing. Moving on to the news. The news and the notes of this week. This pre-E3 week. Yo, in, uh, in Judaism, they always say, they say Erev, which is, which means Eve. At Hebrew. Hebrew, they, they say Erev, which means Eve. So this is Erev E3. Before I go into my predictions about the games that I most want to be there, however outlandish they are, let's discuss for a second what games are definitely going to be there. The leaked Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, is definitely going to be there. Actually, I was watching something from IGN, and they were talking about how Assassin's Creed is the most leaked game franchise of all time, because every single entry of, of the Assassin's Creed franchise, except for Assassin's Creed 2, has been leaked, which is ridiculous. I mean, how many people you gotta get fired before you realize that your game shouldn't be leaked? Unless this is all a part of Ubisoft's plan and they want the games to be leaked to garner any sort of hype before they're officially announced at E3. But somehow I doubt that. And so Assassin's Creed Odyssey is gonna have a Greek theme, an ancient Greek theme, and there's so many things they can do with that. My friend and I, some of my friends and I always brainstorm kind of about what time periods or places that Assassin's Creed should go to next. And either ancient Greece or ancient Rome has always come up when you're talking about where or when Assassin's Creed games should be set. So thank God they've been listening to some of the fans or they just came up with it on their own. And yeah, there are so many things you can do with this. You can talk about invoking gods and goddesses, uh, talking about the democracy, Greek, Greek democracy. Maybe you uh, can explore different city-states in Greece and see the difference the differences between a place like Athens and Sparta uh, places like that so there are so many directions that uh, Ubisoft Montreal can take with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I'm interested interested to see what they end up doing with it and we're going to see a lot more about what they're going to be doing with it at Ubisoft's conference at E3 the next week speaking of leaked games the infamous Walmart Canada leak has really been talking about a lot of games that we're going to be seeing at E3 you have Rage 2, which is definitely going to be featured at E3 at Bethesda's conference on June 10th. Uh, Lego DC Supervillains, I believe is what it's called. Obviously, NBA 2K19, uh, a bunch of EA sports games, things of that nature are going to be featured at E3 and they're going to be expounded upon at those conferences. And Rage 2 is interesting because I, I'm i surprised, honestly, that Rage is getting a sequel because I played it and it was, I mean, it was good, but I didn't think it was like all that spectacular and the cover art at least if cover arts even tell you anything about the game anymore the cover art makes rage 2 seem like a more vibrant counterpart to the wasteland that uh, id software went to with the last rage or just rage in 2011 and maybe they won't rip out fall rip off fallout as much only one can only hope we also have uh insomniac spider-man game which should be coming out uh in i believe it's october so it's coming out soon sooner than you think and we're gonna see more about that and they, they made an appearance at the, the past couple of V3s, Bioware and EA's Anthem, which looks amazing. And I, I'm excited for it, but honestly, I really just hope that EA doesn't find a way to mess this up. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Battlefield 5, duh, we're going to see stuff about that. Talk more about Black Ops 4's Battle Royale mode, Battlefield 5 going back to World War II, things of that nature. And of course, people are going to be tuned into Nintendo's conference to see 
Smash Brothers 5 and what the hell is going on with that and if they're going to have a trailer if they're going to have a title if they're going to have the first couple characters which I can probably assume is going to be the original 12 from Smash Brothers 64 and then they're going to build around that the Smash Perfect Attendance crew as they say so that's just these are the games that are going to be there almost confirmed if not already confirmed that they're going to be there and we're going to be talking about more about those games when we actually take a look at all the conferences as they happen and dive into each game as they're elaborated upon. Among the games that I truly want to see at this year's E3 that have not been confirmed yet, not have been all but confirmed, and are probably not going to be there, is we have Devil May Cry. We don't. Nobody knows what what's happening with the Devil May Cry franchise. If uh, Capcom is going to announce another sequel to Devil May Cry after the reboot, which I actually kind of like. I really did. I did enjoy DMC and I feel like current gen consoles, you have uh, DMC which is out for Xbox One PS4 and you also have uh, Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition, but a game built from the ground up on current-gen consoles. I really want to see Dante, Virgil, Trish, maybe even Nero. It's weird about the Devil May Cry games is because the weird thing about them is that the games are basically out of order chronologically. I, th I believe it goes 3, 3, 4, 1, 2. That's the order. That's the chronology of the series. It goes Devil May Cry 3, Devil May Cry 4, Devil May Cry and then Devil May Cry 2. So I don't know if it's going to be a sequel to Devil May Cry 2, or maybe they're going to try build try and build more around the universe and like all the characters that were established in Devil May Cry 4. But I feel like a lot of Capcom fans are really crying out for a new game in this franchise because it has been long dormant. And also, I want to know more about Metroid Prime 4, because we literally just got the title, and that was it. Last E3. Because Nintendo announced uh, Samus Returns and Metroid Prime 4, and obviously makes sense to talk more about Samus Returns because A, it was more finished because it came out later that year and now it's Metro Prime's Prime 4's turn to get all the details, all the maybe some gameplay footage, a trailer, maybe pre-rendered, who knows, but I'm excited. I mean, I thought that Nintendo hated Metroid, but apparently not. Apparently not. They're, they're really delving back into this franchise and does this mean that there's going to be there might be an announcement like a secret announcement of like a new F-Zero game because they're trying to get into franchises that may have scorned uh, their fan bases, their respective fan bases? I don't know. But all we know for now is that Metroid Prime 4 has been announced and there's a good chance that we're going to see more about it this E3. And I also want to see more about uh, the new Ori and the Blind Forest game, the sequel to that. That was revealed, I believe it was last E3. And honestly, I really enjoyed the last game or the first game, Ori and the Blind Forest and also Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition. And I love the art style. The gameplay was fun. Uh, the music was great. The story was compelling. So I really hope that uh, I can see a bit more about Ori and the Blind Forest, the sequel. The sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. I believe it's Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, and finally, the last game that I want to see at E3 is Sunset Overdrive 2. I love Sunset Overdrive. This is not me being an Xbox fanboy. I swear. But I love... Really, I do. I don't see the hate for Sunset Overdrive. Like, I don't I don't see why people hate it at all. I mean, the game is cathartic. The weapons are cathartic. The movement options are, are incredible. They're varied. Uh, my favorite weapon in that game, honestly, is the multi-lock multi rocket launcher. And, I mean, the dialogue is pretty cringeworthy. The characters are pretty cringeworthy. But the game, the gameplay, the music, the presentation... They're all great. There is not there's not much not to like about Sunset Overdrive. And I feel like that game is really crying out for a sequel. Maybe with a better protagonist. Or at least just a different protagonist. And maybe someone that isn't 
so insufferably uh, annoying and breaking the fourth wall all the time. But anyway, E3 should be a very exciting time, and there's usually something that happens, whether it be a gaffe by one of the, pres the presenters or a super hype reveal that makes that particular year's E3 memorable. I mean, people remember E3 2004 for uh, Twilight Princess being revealed, and me and Shigeru Miyamoto coming out with the Master Sword and the Hylian Shield. And people are still talking about that over 10 years later, over 12 years later. E3 is always a very exciting time. So I'm looking forward to it. And that's why we're talking about it. And there have been a bit of uh, E3, pre-E3 updates in the days upcoming to all the conferences. You know, companies either like to announce the games before the conference maybe or they just say like the title of the game and then they entice people to check out their conferences or their pre-conference conferences because those are a thing the that happen over the weekend for more details on what the game will actually bring the first of these is iowa interactive the developer of the hitman franchise that that recently separated from square enix who published most of the hitman games because they weren't happy with the direction that the reboot of Hitman was taken in. Essentially, they were unhappy with the fact that it was an episodic game. And so now they're releasing a sequel to that soft reboot of Hitman named Hitman 2. And Warner Brothers Interactive is going to be publishing the game. And it's supposed to be coming out later this year on November 13th. Also, stop me if you heard this one before. Seriously. Xbox One exclusive Crackdown 3 has been delayed. Shocker. I mean, this game has been delayed how many times? And this time it's gonna—it's not going to come out until February of 2019. It was originally going to come out, I believe, in November of this year. But now it has been delayed a couple months. And all these delays have honestly weakened my optimism about whether or not this game is actually going to get released. There have been so many delays. I, I would be shocked if this game actually releases in February of 2019. Or whether or not it just gets delayed again to, let's say, April or March, or whatever, or May even, of 2019. And that game's been, uh, yeah. And last bit of news, uh, LeBron, LeBron James, has been announced as the cover athlete for NBA 2K19, the same LeBron James that, as of recording, is on the verge of being swept in the NBA Finals against the super team juggernaut known as the Golden State Warriors. And there really isn't much to say about this other than the fact that LeBron is the cover art cover athlete for NBA 2K19 and hopefully for LeBron's sake and the sake of whoever his new team is going to be if he leaves it this offseason he shouldn't be affected by any curses associated with being on the cover of sports video games you guys that play sports video games know exactly what the what what I'm talking about and now on to this edition of anti-consumer reports there has been some more aggravating antics coming from Steam, whose complete lack of oversight and delusion have seen them essentially endorse a game where the protagonist shoots African citizens to prevent the, spray, the spread of the AIDS virus. You heard that correctly. The protagonist went to Africa. He contracted the HIV virus. It manifested itself into AIDS, and now he is tasked with shooting the inhabitants to prevent the spread of AIDS throughout the world. I mean, are you kidding? This is, un this is unacceptable. 
This is about a week and a half after Active Shooter was out on Steam, which was a game about a mass shooting. Steam should be held accountable. I mean, store storefronts like Steam should be held accountable for letting ridiculous half-pay, half-baked offensive trash like this onto their game store. And it's not like Valve is poor or like a small business. They have the money. They have the resources to have at least some sort of vetting program to make sure that stuff like this doesn't get onto Steam, but they don't care. That's it. It's just apathy. They don't care. I mean, they. I guess they're going to keep making money off of uh, Steam, but Steam is losing credibility more and more when these sorts of games come out. And especially when games like this, especially games like uh, Active Shooter, make national headlines. That doesn't make you look good as a company that you're essentially endorsing these games getting released. And that doesn't make the games industry look that great either. I mean, it isn't, but it doesn't put them in the greatest light when any suburbanite listening to 1010 Wins can hear about a game where you partake in a mass shooting being available on Steam and only on Steam. Moving on. And this is more of a preemptive kind of thing because you know that this is going to happen. We've seen it last year, basically the past four or five E3s. And there is no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen again. And you're going to have games whose season passes are going to be revealed along with the game. Either the season passes or the different editions that you can pay extra money for. That's all going to be there, right? alongside the announcement of the game. Ubisoft's great at this. Yeah, they they are terrific at this. Assassin's Creed Origins, the second it was getting announced, they were talking about how you can get the, the gold edition, the silver edition, whatever. They were talking about this with Watch Dogs 2 when that was announced. I mean, Warner Brothers uh, was talking about it with Middle, of Earth, Middle Earth Shadow of War. It's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind that this is going to happen. And it's ridiculous. It's completely anti-consumer because... You have developers who are either separating content and selling it back later, which honestly may or may not be true because most of it, most of the season pass content hasn't even been like thought of yet or even started coding because, you know, they kind of have to finish the main game first or they're just making content specifically to be sold back as DLC, which is wor- which is honestly, in my opinion, it is, it is worse to do that because you are make, basically setting aside development time to create content that you're going to be selling back later. Why not include it in the game? They're there. These teams are being kind of like, it's almost like these teams are being sectioned off to make content that's going to end up being sold at a, at a premium. When really, back in the day, that's before uh, we had... Uh, downloadable content or expansions or anything like that for console games at least that stuff was either like a completion reward or it was just in the game straight up just in the game and yeah like i said this is anti-consumer and the the video game consumer the buyer clearly doesn't win because you're they're already goaded into spending $60 on a game even before it comes out with pre-order culture where literally it's kind of like in Texas Hold'em where, you know, you put in your blind bet. You're the big, they're being treated like the big blind in Texas Hold'em where they're just like, you know what, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I'm putting in my money now. And this is $60. And then on top of that, they're requesting more money for content. And people don't even, and especially if you buy into the season pass earlier, you don't even know what this content is. You don't know how it plays. 
You don't know who's going to be in it. You don't know whether it's going to be good or not. And the fact that people still do it and that people still are into this pre-order culture and buying all the season passes is the reason why they're still they still exist and they're still prevalent and some of these season passes like for example watchdogs 2 40 bucks for this season pass that's more than half the price of the initial game you're paying for all the dlc good or bad whatever and you and you don't even know it's a crapshoot and i just want to make my stance clear on downloadable content for a second because a couple of these rants kind of make it sound like i don't like any sort of dlc at all and that's not necessarily true i do like dlc but when it's substantial when it's added on to a complete package and it's kind of like something extra like for example you have something like in batman arkham city uh harley quinn's revenge for example that was like a separate story campaign it was like two hours where you get to play as Robin, which is pretty cool, which you don't get to do in the initial game. That's fine. And especially if it's a, a, a reasonable price, that, that helps. That really does help. And really, other than that, I don't... DLC and the concept is actually pretty great uh, of DLC. Oh, you, you know, you're giving us extra content for just a minimal price. Fine, whatever. If it, it supplements my experience of the game... But the way that it's implemented is the true problem for why DLC gets such a bad name. And the fact that it has been brought with disdain is that uh, developers and publishers just try and pull a lot of stuff, a lot of crap (laughs) to try and uh, milk more money out of the buyers of the game. And that's kind of, and that's the line. That's the line for me is that if the practices of the DLC that the company is doing, if that's, if they're kind of doing it minimal, minimally, or they're doing it, it's just not, I don't know. I'm going to stop right now because I'm going to get, I'm just going to go, go off again for another ramp. So moving on happy stuff. Let's end this show with a happy, with something happy. What am I playing right now? My favorite segment of the show, because I, get to talk about what i'm playing and maybe i can recommend stuff to games apps whatever to the listeners so besides the street fighter 30th anniversary collection which i am enjoying the hell out of at the moment i love it i've been playing a lot of third strike i'll tell you what uh because that game that game is great I love the sound, the soundtrack, uh, the sprite art, the mechanics, the fighting style. But yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. But I've also been sampling some of Rare's games like Conquerors, Bad Fur Day, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, and Nuts and Bolts, Battletoads, and Perfect Dark and Perfect Dark Zero in Rare Replay. And I, Rare Replay is probably one of my favorite Xbox exclusive games. It's probably like that, Sunset Overdrive, and and some of the Halo games. Because the package the, is a complete package for... When it came out, it was only $30. He can get it for a lot less now. And there are about 30 games in that package. And they're full-fledged games, and there's extra content like developer diaries... Uh, some concept art, muse, unused music, and there are also like mini challenges through each game that you can play to just get that much more out of every single game in that collection. Also, the third thing that I've been playing a lot this week, and my roommate a couple of weeks ago got me into Dragon Ball Z Abridged, and I mean, I've gotten it 
I've gotten in and out of Dragon Ball Z and he was watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super and he's been talking about it. So I was like, oh, let's watch uh, Dragon Ball Z Bridge. So we've been doing that a lot. And as a result, I've gotten back into playing Xenoverse 2 because I told this to people that I'm not getting Dragon Ball Fighters until all the characters have been released for it. I mean, I've had uh, Xenoverse 2 since last September when I first really got into uh dragon ball z and got my xbox so and got and just got the game so the game is really fun i mean it, it's awkward to control but there is a very diverse roster of characters i'm not really into 3d fighters except for maybe tekken but even though the controls can be a bit awkward and the attacks can be a bit awkward it is a lot of fun to just mash buttons and punch people and throw your own kamehamehas and uh go super saiyan with a cat with an avatar of yourself basically and, and go through the entire story of dragon ball z with yourself with <laughs> essentially you're uh, like you're like a time cop more or less you're going in and fixing broken issues in timelines so like you have to prevent you have to make sure characters die where they're supposed to die things like that so it's really interesting and honestly i've been having a lot of fun with it and there is a ton of content in that game and you can also play with friends it's more it's like a it's like a hybrid mmo but you can play it offline if you really want to so i'd highly recommend it so this has been another episode of patch notes this week we're going to be covering e3 talking about all the conferences as they happen and after they happen giving you some in-depth reflections some reactions to games being announced uh, some gameplay trailers and things like that so definitely keep keep yourself tuned in for when we talk about all of the conferences ea ubisoft microsoft sony nintendo bethesda all of those companies that have panels at e3 we are definitely going to be talking about that so for everyone at radio free south bronx i have been your host adam caster and this has been another episode of patch notes see you next time